Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Um, I want to share a word with you this morning that I, I trust will be a real help in the year ahead. And it's from the book of Hebrews. So if you turn to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews is a, a wonderful epistle. Um, nobody, nobody knows for sure who wrote it. Um, probably not Paul. Um, I think Apollos. Some people think Barnabas, but who, who knows? It's brilliant that the Holy Spirit breathed it. And um, the whole of Hebrews is really about how, um, how Jesus is superior to angels, to Aaron, to Moses, to the prophets, to the priests, and how, how the, God has brought us into a new covenant, which is, and this phrase is used, I think, 11 times, so much better, yes. much better, that what we've come into is so much better than, than the old things. Uh, Hebrews is about the difference between what's temporary, what's eternal, between what's natural and what's spiritual, between what's earthly and what's heavenly. And that's going to be very important as I share this one, just to bear that in mind. Most people, if I said, what's your favourite chapter in Hebrews, what would, you, what would most people say? 11. Hebrews 11, of course. It's a brilliant chapter full of stories of great faith, great heroes of the faith. Uh, begins with a great definition of faith. Faith is the reality of what's hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And then it goes on at chapter 11 to describe all these heroes of the faith. But, but you know, really, chapter 11 is, is really inspirational. But chapter 12 is what really matters. <laughs> Seriously, because chapter 12 starts with this word, therefore, and goes on to give us um, some really practical instructions. So we're going to read that chapter in a moment. Chapter 12 is what really matters for you and me it's about perseverance, it's about endurance, about being loved, being disciplined by our Heavenly Father, Phil, as your dad. <laughs> Chapter 12 is about embracing grace and approaching Jesus. Chapter 12 is about staying unshaken and unshakable when everything else is shaking. So there's a, it's, it's really a chapter for today, for this time. And um, I'm going to read chapter 12. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible and I'll read the whole of the chapter and then I'm going to just um, explore three phrases in particular that will be most helpful. So here we go. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, in fact, let, let's just read the, the last couple of verses of chapter 11. All these were approved through their faith, all those heroes that chapter, 12, chapter 11 talks about. But they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. All those people, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, they, they, they've, not yet, they've not yet come into everything because they've been waiting for us. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame 
and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. In struggling against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and, you've, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when you are reproved by him for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son whom he receives, as a quotation. Endure it as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We're going to move on from discipline now. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and your weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and by it defiling many. And see that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for one meal. For you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words. Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not bear what was commanded, and even if... And if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. And the appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. He's describing approaching Mount Sinai. Instead, verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels in festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to God who is the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. See that you do not reject the one who speaks for if they did not escape when they rejected him who warned them on earth, even less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. His voice shook the earth at that time. But now he's promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what is not shaken might remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us hold on to grace 
By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Wow. There's a lot in there. Do I understand all of it? I don't think I do, but, um, but there's some great stuff in there, and, um, and I just encourage you to read that again. But I want to just pick three phrases, literally just three, three little sentences, and just explore those a bit. And the first is in verse 1, if you'd put this up, Lorna. Verse 1 said this, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and run with endurance the race that lies before us. There's an instruction in here that I think will be really helpful in this coming year, if not all the time, that we lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. Um, it's, it's not talking about sinful things because they're actually dealt with separately. There's something else that the writer calls things that, that weigh on us. Lay aside every weight. And God wants you and I to lay aside anything that is weighing us down. Other translations um, really help us kind of get, get the sense of this. Throw aside every encumbrance. Put aside every impediment. Rid ourselves of anything that gets in the way. The message says... And show there's no extra spiritual fat. <laughs> Conjures up some images, doesn't it? Uh, to rid ourselves of every obstacle. To, to, the NIV says to throw off everything that hinders. The, N, the New Living Translation, to strip off every weight that slows us down. Um, to cast away everything that presses down. To let go of, listen to this one. To let go of every wound that's pierced us. Anything like that, any of those kinds of things has to go. Why? Because we can't afford to carry extra baggage in the race that is ahead of us. I was um, saying um, a few months ago that one, one of my um, most brilliant days in 2023 was the day that my firstborn son, my real son, <laughs> my actual son... My, natural, my, my, my flesh and blood, <laughs> Benjamin, who's just there. Uh, the day that Benj ran the, ran the, I was going to say the New York Marathon, the London Marathon. It was very inspiring. How many of you have run in the London Marathon? Put your hand up, Benj. Oh, how many? Somebody else? Steve? Steve Chagall, of course, yeah. How many of you have been to watch that race or something similar? Yeah, I mean, it's so inspiring. If you want to do it yourself, of course you can't, but you want to. And, um, but, but what was so inspiring was, was, was knowing what Benj had done beforehand. The preparation, the, uh, the training, the, the dark nights, the, the solo running, the, the preparing, the conditioning, the, the very, in his case, the very technical planning and strategizing and, and getting ready for each phase of the race and knowing what to expect in each, each um, five or ten miles or whatever it was, and, 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 and shedding extra weight and preparing and getting ready for the race on that day. We need to lay aside every weight because of the race that is ahead of us. 
I'll say more about the race in a moment. We need to lay, lay aside every weight because of this cloud of witnesses that has gone before us. All those people that, that didn't come into everything God had for them because, because they're waiting for us to join them. Or even much closer to home, just family, friends, parents, grandparents who walked in faith and are, wait, and, and, and are cheering us now across the line. Lay aside every weight because of this race we're in. And so I just want to take a few minutes, not to depress you at all, but to help you to, um, to just consider some of the things that can weigh us down. And like have, have a reality check about some of these things and talk about them together because they're really real. There's a long list of things that have the potential to weigh us down. There's a verse in, in 2 Corinthians where Paul describing his ministry, he talks about uh, being afflicted in every way. He says, the, the struggles or the battles on the outside and the fears on the inside. The great apostle Paul who said, it's not, it's not just the, the external things I face, there's a lot going on inside as well. Things that can, can really, um, really weigh us down. So I don't know, but maybe, I'll, maybe this doesn't apply to anybody in this room, but sometimes disappointments can weigh us down. The lack of breakthrough in something. The, um, the growth that didn't materialise. The healings that never came. The unanswered, seemingly unanswered prayers. Sickness, death, hope that got deferred. Anybody relate to any of those things? Um, sometimes there's just, and the only way to describe this is heartache. Your heart aches. It can weigh you down through, through grief, through loss, through pain that you're not over yet. It's not a sin, it's, it's, a, it's a weight. For some, um, some of us, uh, if you care for people in, in, in a workplace setting or in the church, you care for a group, you care for a congregation, um, the weight of that pastoral care sometimes. Because you really care, because, because you know, we're, we're made in God's image. We're, we're very caring people. And um, sometimes um, it just feels too much how to handle it all, how to help everybody, how to help people through challenging times, how to hold on to the truth of what we believe when, when the, the facts and the, the facts which are always less than the truth, the truth's up here. Sometimes the facts are down here and we're trying to counsel and past of care for people where the, the detail and the situation is, is less than the truth. We're trying to hold those things in tension. Yeah? Knowing how to handle the, the incoming tidal wave of cultural challenges. Demonically inspired ideologies that are being passed off as, as normal, standard and you're a bigot if you don't agree with them. Yeah? That's, that's weighty. That can be a weight on us. How to answer everybody's questions. How to, how to know where we stand on all the issues. That's a weight. Um, relationships that um, are fractured or broken or not harmonious or tensions, conflicts in relationships, where, where things are not flowing as they should or as they could. 
that can be a weight. It gets better, by the way, okay? We, we just have to go through this valley, and then we'll be coming out the other side in a moment. But, but this is real stuff. Um, there's, a, there's sometimes the weight of, of feeling the pressure just to meet everybody's needs, to make everybody happy, to be liked by everybody. Anybody suffer that terrible impediment of wanting to be liked by people? It can be a weight taking things personally, criticism that, that, was, um, that has stuck, words that were spoken by people who have, the Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death. People's words can create death. Especially things, you know, our parents might have said to us, and we become overly concerned about what people think of us. Knowing your place, where you fit, how you serve, feeling a bit unfulfilled perhaps. Those of you that run teams and groups, unfilled rotors? Oh yeah, I got an amen. The need for volunteers, asking people to, to, to step up and to serve and to fill gaps, that can be a weight. Um, what about the sadness of people who once walked with you, with us, and have just dropped off, pulled away, despite your best efforts, despite your input, your love, your, your prayers. Um, the regrets about the past, the uncertainties about the future. There's a lot to be uncertain about right now if you're not in Christ. Politics, war, climate, the busyness, the crowd. Anybody find that their phone and all the incoming stuff from all the various directions the different channels and the, the, the pressure to reply to everything and, 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 and remember all the people you've not, you've not replied to yet. Yeah? Get some amens? That can be a way. And, and if you're getting older, um, anybody getting older? Yeah. Okay. I think what I meant to say, if you're older, you can be the judge. Then I tell you one of the weights is, is, is the sense that you might be running out of time to accomplish all that's in your heart and to fulfill the destiny that you've, you've held on to and believed in. So all of these things can be weights. All of them can feel very heavy. Some of them are real and present amongst us this morning. And the good news is, the Lord says, let us lay... A, no, go back, sorry, Lorna. We, we had a little training session. Let us lay aside every weight. God wants to, us to lay them all aside. He doesn't want us to be encumbered, to be carrying things that will slow us down in the race. Um, some, of those, um, some of those other translations I read earlier, we should throw off everything that hinders, strip off every weight that slows us down, cast away everything that presses us down. Let go of every wound that's pierced us. It's quite an ask, isn't it? But it's the word of the Lord to us at the start of this year. So how do we do it? Well, Jesus gives us some really practical instruction. Matthew 11. I'll just read this to you. You can turn to it if you want. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, um, if, yes, this is the next one actually, sorry. You're ahead of the game. Number one, we take them to Jesus. Take those things. If you identified with any of those weights I described or others I didn't describe, Jesus says, bring them to me. Put them on me. Cast all your burdens on me. He can carry them. He can carry things that we can't. In Psalm 68, verse 19, it says, day after day, he bears our burdens. And so there's an invitation from Jesus this morning. And then secondly, um, I just want to encourage you to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As you take your weights and, I don't know, physically imagine taking weight off and putting it on him, whatever's most helpful to you. But then receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit, by which I mean, hear God's word to you. I'm with you. You're chosen. You're loved. You're trusted. You have all you need. I will provide. I am providing. I know what was said. I know how it hurt you. I know what you're carrying. I feel your weight. I want to take it from you. All that disappointment, give it to me. All that regret, cast it on me. All that pressure you feel, come out from it and give it to me. Let him speak to you. Let him minister to you. And then follow to the letter any instruction he gives you about anything that needs to change. And that might mean resetting expectations. It might mean putting some things right. I'm not talking about sinful things, but just just reordering some things. It might mean having some conversations you've been avoiding. It might mean changing some practical things, some habits, some patterns. I just want to encourage us all that we start this year lighter than ever. That would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> amen. amen. Can, I, do I, can I hear a hearty amen? amen? We want to give you our weight this morning, Lord Jesus. We want to hand to you everything that might have weighed us down, might have felt too heavy, Lord, and, and know your, your liberty and your freedom and your, uh, your presence with us, Lord, as we do that. The second thing, the second um, word is in the same verse. Uh, And it tells us why we're to lay aside every weight. It says we are to uh, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares and run with endurance the race that lies before us. Uh, Maybe the best way I can, I think, kind of define or describe the race that Paul is talking about. It it is our, our pursuing of God's plan and God's purpose for our lives. It's the life he has for us. It's heading towards the the goal, the prize, completing what those chapter 11 heroes 
started but couldn't finish. Oh, Sharon, I've got a verse from Genesis for you. Great, thanks, David. Sharon said, I hear you're speaking from Genesis this morning. I said, nope. <laughs> but, it, but if I can think of a relevant Genesis verse to chuck in there, I will do. And here it is. It's Genesis 16, verse 8. Yeah, you weren't expecting that, were you? Genesis 16, verse 8, where the angel of the Lord finds um, Hagar... Uh, by a spring of water, and he says to her, where have you come from, and where are you going? That's the race. Knowing where we've come from, knowing where we're going, living with a sense of destiny, of calling, of purpose in our lives. Um, Paul talks about running, uh, running, in such a way that you may win. Paul, Paul often describes the, the walk of faith, the, the ministry, the calling as, as a race we're in. In Philippians 3 verse 12, he talks about uh, letting Jesus uh, lay hold of him. The thing, that, the thing that has gripped his life is, is what Jesus has laid hold of him for. So, so that's the race we're in. And the whole of chapter 12 really contains some keys for running that race, to keep our eyes on Jesus, to... Um, uh, fix uh, to embrace God's love and discipline, to, to stay on track, to strengthen tired hands, to strengthen weak knees so that we can keep going and to make straight paths for our feet because we're in a race. And I just want to encourage you in this, you know, your, your job is not your life. Your family is not your life. God has something much, much more for us. Those are part of it, but... God has a destiny, yes. a call, yes. a purpose. He's laid hold of us for something and it's much bigger than all those uh, temporary, physical, external things. God has a plan and a purpose and he wants us to lay hold of everything that he has laid hold of us for and to run with endurance. And that's why he says, lay aside every weight could say much more about that but I want to move on to my third point and say much more about this he goes on to say after he's described how you can run the race he says you've come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God to the heavenly Jerusalem we have to lay aside every weight and run with endurance because we've come to Mount Zion I don't know what your thoughts are when I use that word Zion because it's, um, it's an important word. Uh, but, but, but if you go back into the, um, into the history of the Old Testament, does anybody know where Zion is first mentioned? Or where Zion was? Don't be shy. Zion was... Um, when, when King David... Uh, went up to Jerusalem to become king of all Israel, he uh, captured a fortress, a stronghold, in Jerusalem that was known as Mount Zion. And it was a little um, fortress, a sort of citadel that, that, was, that was occupied by the Jebusites. This is in 2 Samuel, verse 5. And David went up and he made uh, Zion, he made this, this stronghold his home, and then he brought the ark there. 
This is Old Testament stuff. He brought the ark there. And Zion became kind of synonymous with God's earthly dwelling place. The ark was there. And then when uh, Solomon, his son, built the temple, the ark was transferred to the temple. That was a little place um, a few hundred metres away from this, this little stronghold, this, this hill. And Zion became, uh, came to refer to the whole of the temple area. In fact, the whole of Jerusalem was identified with God's presence, known as Zion. And so when you go through the Old Testament, you find a little bit in the history, but especially when you get into the Psalms, the Psalm, there's about 150 references to Zion. It's a, it's a really important theme. And I'm saying this because I want it to be a really important theme for us as well. Um, the Psalmists celebrate that God has chosen Zion. Psalm 78, verse 68. God has chosen. There's, there's numerous references. The Psalmists tell us that Zion is loved. Psalm, Psalm 2, verse 6 is worth turning up. God says, I have installed my king on Zion. Uh, Zion in Psalm 48 is described as beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Psalm 125 says, Zion cannot be shaken. We just read about something else that can't be shaken, didn't we? The kingdom cannot be shaken. Zion in Psalm 132 is God's dwelling place. And then when you, and, and I'm just summarizing and skimming over all of this. And, and by the way, I have a paper on this topic. And if anybody would like a copy, just let me know afterwards and we'll get email addresses. I'll send it out to you as an amen. And, um, and when you get into the prophets, the prophets warn that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed because she's rebelled against God, because she's taken other lovers, because, um, because uh, God says, I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to take you into exile. This is kind of towards the end of the, the prophetic picture. But, they say, the prophets say, Zion will be rebuilt. So we have a conundrum. And um, it, let me just take you to Isaiah and give you some examples from one of the prophets, probably be, speaks about Zion the most. Turn to Isaiah. Bit of a Bible study moment going on here. Isaiah 2, uh, verses 2 to 3. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it and many peoples will say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us about his ways so that we may walk in his paths for instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So I'm just picking four of these references in Isaiah just as an example. Isaiah 28 Verse 16. Therefore the Lord God said, Look, I've laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and the one who believes will be unshakable. God has laid a cornerstone in Zion. That should, that should take some of us into 1 Peter where he talks about the cornerstone, Ephesians where... He talks about the cornerstone. I've laid a cornerstone in Zion. Um, and then uh, so Isaiah 52, verse 1. Wake up, wake up, put on your strength, Zion. 
Put on your beautiful garments, Jerusalem, the holy city. Psalm, uh, Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3. We'll just read these and then. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines upon you. Uh, For look, darkness covers the earth, and total darkness the peoples, but the Lord will uh, shine over you and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your radiance. Goes on in the chapter, your, your chapter might have a heading there, the Lord's glory in Zion. He goes on to talk about Zion on several occasions. And as you read through from the history into the Psalms, into the prophets, and you kind of wear to it, you begin to realize these things were not fulfilled by the return of the exiles. These promises were not fulfilled by the rebuilding of the temple. There's a distinction between the natural and the spiritual. And although Jerusalem would be destroyed, Zion will endure forever. And then, and then I remember that um, Abraham was looking for a city, says in Hebrews 11, whose architect and builder is God. And then we remember that Haggai, that one, of the, one of the closing prophets, said that the latter house would be even more glorious than the former house. And that wasn't the case with, with the rebuilt temple, which was a little bit disappointing to those who'd seen the first one. And the psalmist's heart and the prophet's promises were never going to be fulfilled in something geographic, something earthly. Those things were only shadows only types pointing to a greater reality. Friends, Zion is the city of God. Zion is the heavenly Jerusalem. Zion is the meeting place of heaven and earth. And if you put the next text up, Lorna, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands and thousands of angels. In God. This is something way more than an earthly, geographic fulfilment. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Is that you and me? Yes. The church of the firstborn, the church of Jesus. Are our names written in heaven? Yes. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of angel. This is Jesus' sprinkled blood. We've come to Zion. And when, um, and you have to get the paper because I can't do justice to all of this in this time scale. But when you get into the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21, Revelation 22, the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible are so crucial for our days. But here we read this. If you could put the next one up, Lorna. He says, I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. This is a heavenly Jerusalem. This is Zion. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And the next one, in chapter 21. He says, come, I'll show you the bride the wife of the lamb. And he then carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, 
coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. When you read on in those chapters, Revelation 21, Revelation 22, when you read about this heavenly Jerusalem, this Zion from above, this, this, uh, this church of the firstborn, you read that God dwells within her. You read in chapter 21, verse 4, that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. You read in chapter 11 that Zion is, uh, verse 11, Zion is radiant. In verse 12, chapter 21, verse 12, built on apostolic foundations, adorned with every kind of precious stone. This is a marvellous description of this city that John is seeing. Adorned with every kind of precious stone, with, with no need of a temple because the glory of God illuminates everything. That nations walk in her light and kings surrender to their surrender their glory. This is Isaiah yes. fulfilled. Yeah. The nations are coming, the kings are surrendering. The throne of God is there, the river of life is there, the tree of life is there. Everything's there in Zion, mm -hmm. in this heavenly Jerusalem. Yes. And I want to say this just to, in closing. Jesus is building his church here in Market Harbour. And here's a surprise. The church in Jerusalem is not the blueprint. The church in Ephesus is not the blueprint. Zion is the blueprint. We have come to Zion. More than that, we are Zion. This is us, folks. And Zion, all the hallmarks that you read about in the Psalms and in the prophets and in Revelation, all of those things are to be seen amongst us. And I want to encourage us this year to lay aside every weight and to run with endurance, knowing that we have come to Zion, a heavenly blueprint, a city born from above, people born from above, a city born from above that is to be unshakable, distinguished in our gatherings by his presence. He meets us face to face in Zion with a close-knit community who are chosen and loved, where all the precious stones, all these precious stones have space to dazzle. Carl, the Lord is ready for your dazzling this year. Start to dazzle. Start to shine brighter than ever. In fact, you could just nudge the person next to you and say, this is a year to dazzle. <laughs> Somebody said, I don't think so. I believe so. Absolutely. Zion is pure. Uh, it, it says there will, there will be nobody sick in Zion. Well, there, there's a challenge for us to reach to. Nobody sick in Zion. Zion is pure and holy. Zion, Zion is the place where there are myriads of angels. That's our reality. And I'm praying that this year there'll be more of a sense, a real, an awareness of that. Angelic presence, angelic uh, involvement in our worship. The angels seeing what happens here and taking delight because the order of God is visible and walked out. Zion having impact and influence. Zion, it says, is the joy of the whole earth. Why don't we start by being the joy of Market Harbour? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Zion, the joy 
of Market Harborough. So let me encourage you, church. This is far more than Sundays and life groups. 24 hours of worship, those things are, are all expressions. But what we are is way more significant. A people born from above. A city coming down out of heaven to be the joy of the whole earth. I want to encourage you to lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight and run with endurance because we have come to Zion. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.